Okay, I begin. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Adrian Tan Show. And today's episode will be exploring the trend of geo arbitrage. Exactly what that is. That's the ability to work remotely while living in a location, of course, with a lower cost of living. As the COVID-19 pandemic has accelerated trends in remote work, more professionals have been able to take advantage of geographic arbitrage to really stretch your salary further. And I really have been investigating and looking into this aspect because personally, I do hope one day when my kids are independent to work, to semi-retire in perhaps Thailand, Malaysia. And I was captivated by what I read on LinkedIn. And this happened, I think, last year, if I'm not wrong, when it happens to be in South Korea, where our guest today actually took the opportunity to work in South Korea and, or, and to live in South Korea, but to work remotely for a Singapore company. And that guest today is with us, and she is Gabrielle Lowe. She is a speaker, international award-winning coach who helps business leaders discover their purpose and to build their brand reputation, Christian Principles. Backed by 20-plus years of experiences in military, psychology, startup communication, and coaching fields, with postgrad qualifications in occupational psychology, positive psychology, and certs in NLP, MBTI 16PF, and counseling. She currently runs her businesses remotely and could work from anywhere in the world. And with that, thank you so much for coming Hi, to Adrian. the show. Hi, Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be on your podcast. Thank you so much. And as I mentioned, I have trouble pronouncing your name, so I'll call you, you Gabby for God. I was in South Korea when I first read about you being in South Korea. Maybe it was shortly after that and caught my attention oh. because I was just there. And firstly, South Korea is usually not the kind of country people may associate with. Of course, us being Singaporean, I think most Singaporeans will be looking at the kinds of places like Malaysia. I heard some Indonesia, more so towards Bali and all that. But maybe let's just go all the way back. What actually triggered this thought process? What made you thought about, okay, let me try to live in other countries and try to work remotely for So the reason was purely economical. I was actually looking for a place to stay outside from my family home. And because of what is going on with COVID, there was that period where we were all really compressed and living together in the household. And where they were conflicting information of vaccines that really drove drove me nuts in a certain way because of competing opinions. I thought I had to get out of my home for some sanity and some peace mm. of mind. So I started looking out for homes to stay in Singapore and the cost was just astronomical. You are Singaporean and I wasn't made. Yes. Still so are, still it's just going to get worse. And I just refused to invest that certain amount unless I want to buy my own property. And that's how I started looking at living and working from different parts of the world. And at that time, the mm. quarantine, what was it that they called? We actually had a visa-free arrangement with South Korea. In fact, that was the first country that was open right after the pandemic. And that's why I chose mm. South Korea. Not because there was a place I've been dying to go to, but because that was the first place that opened up. Yeah, so it's purely logistical. Ah, so it's yes. a practical yes. reason. Okay, okay. Let's talk about that mm -hmm. decision. And of course, once you've mm -hmm. decided to go over there, I'm sure you did some basic research about, okay, let me try to find out more about South Korea and all that. What was that like? Did it match whatever expectation as limited as it was back then? And how was it like so in reality? Actually, South Korea exceeded my expectations. Most Singaporeans, we, we know about, we think we know about South Korea. We watch the dramas and think, oh, South Korea is like that. And people there are not exactly friendly. 
But I was really pleasantly surprised how helpful and how friendly the people were. And the accommodation, Airbnb is perfect. So I decided to just stay in an apartment. I didn't want to stay in a co-living space with a bunch of 20-somethings. And I really don't want to answer and listen to their problems because people tend to tell me their problems. And I was just like, no, I need time to myself. So I thought, okay, see the nicest Airbnb, find the nicest spots near facing the sea or whatever. I didn't want to go. Don't stay in the city. Because Singapore is a city. And it goes, hey, It's pointless, right? Go somewhere else, have some peace and quiet nature. And... So where exactly in Korea were you staying at? Since Korea is so massive. I was in Seoul. I was in Busan. I was in Shokchu. Shokchu is close to the East Coast. I also went down to Ojo, which is the oldest city in South Korea. Huge history bath here. I, of course, I spent a lot of time in Jeju. I stayed in a total two months on Jeju Island. So, yeah, but mass, some crystal massive. There are so many places I didn't get to explore. So I will likely hit back at some point. And tell us, what was the working mm. arrangements like? I, I would imagine you, just like most of our listeners, mm. would be knowledge worker. As long as you have a yes. laptop, good Wi-Fi, you can work anywhere from a local Starbucks to, I guess, in mm. your case, South Korea. But of course, in reality, is that as seamless as one would think so, it would be? Because the internet coverage in South Korea is actually amazing. Right. So I actually much better yes, than yeah, I realized. It's pretty much free, even the buses in the trains. So you get Wi Fi everywhere. So it's actually easier for me. But on the rare occasion, if I was a cafe that was too noisy, which actually happened once in one of the Hanok areas, I felt oh no, that was not good. So I actually spent a lot of time working in my apartments. Then visiting cafes, unfortunately, Adrian, because I was taking a lot of calls and I didn't want my clients to feel that they were talking to me above the noise. So half the time I was in the apartments and when I had the time in the afternoon, I would head out and do some writing when I was in the cafes. Yeah. And the weekends, mm. yeah, it was exploring the country. Like. I see. So end to end, how many months? How long were you staying in Question, because we cannot stay there for more than 90 days at once at one point. So I stayed there for 90 days and doing... It was sitting in spring last year. And then I decided to come back to Singapore. And then, of course, then I went back to Jeju this high for two months during autumn. So I chose the, the non, not too hot, not too cold season so that the weather is perfect. Awesome. Okay. So let's go into the aspect, of course, the cost aspect. Everyone wants to explore something like this. of low cost. I would say for most people, when you tell them South Korea, likely they wouldn't associate it with low cost. Low cost is more of a yeah. Ipo. So is South Korea, as much as it's there for practical mm. reason for you, is it as affordable def- or rather cheaper uh, than Actually, it was cheaper than Singapore. So for example, I stay in this apartment in Gangnam. It's not, of course, it's not the high-end street apartment. And I spent, I think it was about $2,000 for a month. And the apartment was big. There was a kitchen and everything. And it was just the right size one. And depending on where you stay in Busan, I stayed in a very nice condominium and I spent less than 1500 for three weeks. So some of the Airbnb hosts actually allow you to put them directly. So you actually spend less, spend 20% less. So there are plenty of arrangements you can make. And the hotel is in Neodong. If you email them and stay for one month at least, you can pay less than US $1,000. So I thought it was highly affordable and the food prices definitely more affordable compared to Singapore. I really miss the prices there, Adrian. 
it's at least like 20% lower. <laughs> and they have all this, yeah, but you JP is not so, so right? So they also, okay, so the thing about Korea is the service is top notch. When you come into a restaurant, whether you're a solo guest or not, they will make sure they give you something extra. It's part of their, they call it service. Mm. And they give you so many side dishes and like, oh, you order one dish and then everything else comes in, this massive. So actually you can tap out the food bag and it's two meals. Okay, that's a lot. Yeah. Side it dishes, has, more than dishes. So I would actually, yeah, I actually save more money when I was living yeah. in South Korea. But of course, it's not as affordable as South Korea. It's, uh, it's, Korea it's Thailand or, or Bali or, or Malaysia for that matter. So one of the obvious benefits would be uh-huh. cost savings. Any other benefits that may not have been so apparent when you first so shifted this is something over there? That it's more for ladies, I'm guessing. There are certain places in South Korea, you know, if you can claim your tourist uh, tax free status straight away. And because I was tourist there for quite a basically tourist status for three months, I saved a lot of money on shopping, for example, mm. skincare items, um, fashion items. But that's only for specific stores. You can't do that for mm. every single store. And I was quite impressed with how cheap mm. safe South Korea is. They don't hassle you because you're a foreigner or you're a lane. And, it's, and the transportation was so much more accessible and much, much more connected than I expected. So that was, that's why I was surprised. Mm. And this, was it your first time that you stay in, in another country and working for uh, a no, local course company? Not. I have stayed and worked in places like Estonia and of course in the UK. And where was I previously? Yeah, basically Estonia, the UK, and South Korea. I see. Okay. And what are some of the differences, mm-hmm. in your opinion, between these three experiences? The differences is this time I was in control of my itinerary. I was, my company gave me the flexibility to plan wherever I wanted to stay, as long as I was available for calls mm. and I continued meeting my KPIs. Yeah, so I was very blessed that mm. my previous company gave me that flexibility and the trust to do that. Okay. And what are, what about some of the mm. challenges that you may have encountered along the way? I'm sure there are some blind spots that even as you landed in South Korea, oh no, I didn't see that coming. What were some of them? The biggest issue is the language, right? So I, I, because I like to learn languages. So I know basic Korea before I went Korean. So that really helped me. And I wasn't prepared that some of the Ajumas, which are the aunties, they call it the aunties, where aunties in Korea, they are extremely... Mm extrovert and explicit about what they think is done wrong. <laughs> so, for example, I was waiting for, I was waiting for my taxi to arrive to Jeju mm. Island and I was actually at a bus stop. Mm. Then the bus just stopped in front of me and this lady just stepped out the bus, complete stranger. She looked at me and said, she said, Cory, why aren't you going up the bus? I was like, she sounded like she was angry with me. I was waiting, waiting the bus driver wait a while saying, I'm not waiting for a bus, I'm waiting for my taxi taxi. Yeah, so they are extremely nosy in a sense, but that also meant that if I needed help, the ladies wouldn't want to actually help me. Yeah. So I give. So what uh, I actually okay. had COVID when good. I was in Busan, and my Airbnb host actually made sure that I was well fed, and I had the medication. So in mm. in a way, she was telling, "Just take that I'm like your mom. I'm looking after you." So I never experienced that in other countries that I worked in. Before. So that was really a good surprise. Okay. And how do you think your experience of this dual arbitrage has changed your personal perspective on work, life, maybe mm-hmm. as well as travel? Would you recommend it to others who are interested in I would only recommend it if, for example, you are okay to live with your com- creature comforts. There are people that I know of who mm. need to sleep in a certain bed, a certain pillow, and eat certain foods. So, yes. Maybe so, they're total. It's difficult <laughs> for them. 
And, and if you are, if you are, not, and you have too used to the convenience of Singapore, living abroad, of what you mentioned, it is going to be difficult because you have to embrace the brand new culture. Mm. The signs are not in English, for example, and the food is different. The people are different. Your friends are not there. Your family members are not. There. If you're not used to changes, don't do this. Okay, but you're all out for having adventure. If you're okay to travel alone, but always a close one, having your friends to visit you, then by all means do this. So what I've learned was that the world is so much bigger and yet so much more connected than I thought. So some people think that if you live by yourself, are you crazy? Why are you living by yourself in three months? Some of my friends asked me that. And it's actually that gave me a lot of peace and quiet to be more creative. And I was actually more productive in my work. Really? And I wasn't answering too many phone calls because Gabby's away, right? So I, that was to me, that was surprising. Okay. In hindsight, if back then when the free visa thing was applied to all different countries, would South Korea still be the main choice or would you personally I have... I think I would still choose South Korea because I wanted to experience spring weather. I wanted to look at cherry blossoms. Japan back then was an option, unfortunately. But I think I would still choose South Korea. Mm. And for mm. people who may be keen to look mm. at your arbitrage, what do you think they should be mindful of in terms of when they do their research, in terms of country selections? Where should they begin? Where should they, Is there a go-to site or should they ask friends who are staying there? There are plenty of digital non-net sites on the market right now. They offer different advices on what to look at based on the cost of living, based on, for example, your gender preferences or even your dietary preferences. And I realized that dietary pre- preferences is a huge thing. Especially if you are lactose intolerant, you can't take dairy. Mm. So that is a huge concern for some Asians that I know. Mm. You, you have to look at that. And of course, personal safety. I always, the first thing I searched for was, was that place suitable for solo female travelers like me? So that was number one thing. And of course, Wi-Fi. Because you're on, I was a nomad. Wi-Fi coverage wherever I go. So things were there. And of course, accessibility to healthcare. You never know what can happen. And mm. the last thing was me was accessibility mm. to nature, to park in the sea. So that was something that I looked out for. I see. Okay. And I do understand mm. right now you're back in Singapore. Any specific reason why you are back here and why you're, I'm not speaking to you in Seoul right now or some <laughs> so other country? So this time actually was in London for a month. I came back also because some like, most of my clients in Singapore. So I wanted to meet them face to face. And living okay. and traveling like I did last year was quite costly. Because in a way, I was living on my own for five months. And also because my family members, my, my parents are older. I cut short my trip last year because my dad had a fall. Mm. So I had to come back. Yeah. So at the, depending on which life stage you're in, mm. if you don't have kids, your parents are not too old, they are healthy, mobile, please go and don't come back if you don't want, you don't need mm. to. But if you have random responsibilities like me and my business is just starting up, I have to be situated and secured, stable in the place. And also because my volunteer commitments as well to church. So I decided to be in Singapore for at least for the next few months. Okay. Okay. But I personally wish to try something like that. But because I have young kids, I, I think the only time I could possibly try something like that is when my youngest is independent, which probably would be another 10 years to go. Lah. Hopefully 10 years later, I can share with you how it's... But I'm already mm. doing some research. I have never accounted for South Bay mm. to the equation mm. until I saw your post about it. So that's an equation, but I guess I would still perhaps look at more yes. of the lower cost countries. Yeah. I know Chiang Mai is very fam- very popular for mm. people who want to retire there. I heard things about Hua Hin, I hear things about mm. people as well. 
still toying with the eye. But one thing I was thinking about was to was yes. to go there for a trial. Yes. Because you wouldn't know, right? Whatever you read on paper may differ from mm. what you actually experience. So I'm actually planning, hopefully with my wife's <laughs> blessing, <laughs> next June, go to one of those locations, yeah, stay there for not? three weeks. Yeah, try. And just to see how it goes. Over and above the things that you mentioned, of course, security, Wi-Fi, and things like that. Are there some other maybe street intelligence that I should take note of, which may be prevalent across different countries, whichever that I finally decide to That's a good question. I think it's important that you know how to defend yourself and these basic moves. Definitely avoid wearing expensive clothing or jewelry in the open. And I would say never use your phone out in public unless everybody does it because your phone could be a magnet for theft. And definitely know, Mm. get close with your Airbnb host. My Airbnb host gave me a lot of good ideas on the areas to visit and areas to avoid. So always make sure it's not an Airbnb host, maybe speak to the hotel concierge. It's good to have a local contact. Yeah, that's my advice. Okay. So, thank you so much. So once you have stabilized your, I know Mm -hmm. you started a new business. And once you've stabilized that, do you have plans to resume this geo-arbitrage journey and would it still be South Korea or do you have plans to so explore So thanks to countries? my stay in South Korea, I'm actually thinking of doing something, a little business, hospitality business in Jeju. So that's on the card. So I may have it to Jeju depending on how things progress in my business just to set up small Airbnb and stay there for a few months in the year so that yeah. I can avoid the winter and to avoid the hot summer in Singapore. That's the plan. I'm also looking at Chiang Mai because I have a friend who has a property there and might need some help for me to help with the property and I'll probably hopefully stay there for one month. So that's the tentative plan for Mm. 2024, Adrian. I see. Would you do it in a a slightly different manner since you already have gained experience in South Korea? Would your stay be slightly different? So this time, I think what a great question. I will have a mix of stays in a co-living space so I can more friends. What problem? Yeah, so I think no, okay. because after a while, I realized that it, it was a bit lonely for me. But I had friends then, so I was quite lucky. Mm. But if I were to spend another three months, and so I think this time I will, I will change up the accommodation. So maybe a month I will stay in a hotel, another month I will stay in Airbnb, another month I will stay in cooling space, just for variety's sake. But this is in line with my personality. If you're an introvert, you need to be away from people, then just go ahead, stay by in an apartment by yourself. But I think there's also a limit because I remember when I mm. first had to travel to Germany mm. for a long stretch, I'm an introvert. Yeah. I lean more towards introversion. Now. But I reached a, a stage where I started talking to myself. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was something wrong already. I need to talk to other people. And so I think there has mm. to be a balance, even though, at the, like you said, it never occurred to me listening to other people's problems, which I find quite so funny. But I guess it's still a way for you to, we are all tribal animals, right? Ultimately, we want that conversation, we want that connection. And co-living space, I guess, is like the best and arrangement co-living for space that. are more affordable than Airbnb and hotels. When mm. you have to book early, I would also, mm. would it, I would differently would be to join the expat meetups and to meet different people. Yeah, so that was what I would have done. I'll probably do that when I hit back I see. I don't really have much understanding of mm. the co-living space. I know they are in Singapore mm. as well. I love being the most popular one. So is it just you have your own rooms and then all the other yes. amenities are shared and then you have your common living room yes, and all that? Is that how it is? And I think depending on how big the space is, you might be able to have, a, let's say, the loft or the attic on your own 
there was this one that I uh, like. I think I recommend to you. It's called Soul Nooks. S-E-O-U-N-O-K-S. It's owned by this lady. And the house is pretty massive. It's right in the middle of So it's an amazing location. And the price is relatively affordable. Mm. So check out Soul Nooks. Yeah. Okay. So it's essentially an Atas hostel. Yes, Atas. And people there are quite friendly because you all together in a foreign place. So they tend to share food, gather together. So depending on the culture mm. or the co-living space, I would suggest you have a call with them and check out their website. And if you're there, go and check out the mm. place before you decide to move there. If that's possible for you. Depending on mm. policies for them. Okay. That sounds great. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us and to give us so many tips and insights on how mm -hmm. it's actually and how we can make use and really leverage on this opportunity to not just get to know a new country, get to know new people, but I guess it also come across as getting to know exactly. yourself much better, right? Because of what you realize, what I can do, what I cannot do, what I like, what I don't like. Ultimately, it's a discovering journey. As the saying goes, a life that is unexamined oh, is not worth living. So these are opportunities to in your life. For people who may still be keen to reach out to you to learn more about yourself or perhaps even your new businesses. They uh, can look they for me on LinkedIn. Just uh, search Gabriel Freedom Know. I'm usually on LinkedIn. I like to connect with people who are business professionals, senior business leaders who want to build their personal brand without sounding like an influencer. <laughs> or oh, you want to ease your way to building an online presence that is authentic and personal. And as Gabby mentioned, right now, she's also receptive to hearing about your complaints. <laughs> so if you have any agony questions, feel free to reach out to her. Aunt Gabby will be more than happy to address them. All that would be in the show notes to make it easy for our listeners to find out where you are. And with that, Gabby, thank you thank so you much for having me. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to speak to you again before you move to South Korea for your stay. Definitely. Thanks. 